There was one man who Jesus himself said was the greatest man born of woman. As we study through the life of John the Baptist, we will discover why God used him in such a powerful way. Join us now for today's study. Would you agree with me that we desperately need revival in our generation? Our, our world needs a spiritual awakening. We need a fresh move of the Lord. Well, if you believe that, could I remind you that a revival is simply a return to first things? It's why I'm bringing you to John the Baptist's sermon in the New Testament. It's the first sermon in the pages of the New Testament. And in it are some principles, foundational principles, first principles that have their application in every generation. Now we've looked at one of them. It was, it was good news. It was an announcement. And the announcement was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But you see, the same message that brings good news also brings some bad news. The same rule and reign that brings joy also brings fear. It really all depends on your relationship to the king. You see, while some people rejoiced that the kingdom of heaven was at hand because they were looking for Messiah and they were yielding to Messiah, there were some that wanted nothing to do with it. Now let's read the rest of the story in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible says at the end of John the Baptist's sermon, And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers! Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now you think you've heard some strong sermons. He looked the religious leaders in the face and called them a bunch of snakes. And then he says to them, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Of course, that's a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Remember Acts 2, those cloven tongues like as of fire that came upon them. And then verse 12, he says of Messiah, whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Did you catch the key word? Fire, fire, fire. It's the last word of verse 10. It's the last word of verse 11. It's the last word of verse 12. It's a word of fire. And so, John's first sermon not only had in it an announcement about the king coming and the kingdom of heaven being at hand, but it also had in it an alert. You see, not only was the kingdom coming, that meant judgment was coming, wrath was coming, fire was coming. You see, when a king comes to the throne, he's going to have his subjects, but he's also going to have his enemies. He's going to have those who yield to him, and he's going to have those who reject him. And what makes the difference in whether you find in John's message fear or joy 
is all dependent on your relationship to the king. That's why some people love the word of God. Oh, they want to hear it taught and preached. They can't get enough of it. Why? Because they've fallen in love with the king. They, they want to know more about the king. And there are others who get very uncomfortable when they start reading the Bible. That's why they don't read it. They don't want to hear it taught and preached. That's why they don't like strong preaching. Why? Because there's something in them that has not yielded to the king. May I ask you, have you yielded every area of your life to the ruling presence of the king? Are you happy for the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and find his rightful place and do his work in your life? Now, there are three places here where you find the word fire, and each one of them is very significant. Fire, frankly, is significant in the Word of God. For example, there's a fire in Scripture that is the eternal lake of fire. That's the destination of those who reject Christ. And then there's going to be fire that consumes this earth. Uh, someday the Bible says that everything we see is going to burn up. It's all going to be ash. It's going to be gone. And then there's the fire in Scripture that burns up the dross in your own life. Even as a believer, God brings the fire, sometimes of tribulation and trouble, of struggle and strain. What's all that about? He's, he's burning impurities out of your life. I tell you, every man faces the fire. If you're a lost person, you're going to face the fire when you die. And it's eternal fire. And that's why lost people need to repent of their sin and by faith take the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But I want to suggest to you that even believers face the fire. Oh yes, your work someday is going to be tried so as by fire, the Bible says. Repentance is not just for lost men. We'll talk more about repentance in our next study. But repentance is for everybody. It's not just an event. It's a way of life. As a Christian, I ought to be living a life of repentance every day, allowing God to, to burn, to purge out of my life the things that should not be there. Are you allowing God to do that in your life today? When the Lord Jesus comes, when the King comes in, the thing that marks His rule and His reign is fire. What is fire? It's purifying. It's powerful. It purges. The fire is, is something that once it begins to burn, it consumes everything. Remember the writer of Hebrews tells us that our God is a consuming fire. Have you, my friend, yielded to the holy fire of God? Have you allowed the King to do in you what He desires to do. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, you know the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So let me give you a Bible illustration. I'll give you an illustration from the Old Testament all the way back in the book of Exodus. This is one of the first times where God really explains to us His use of fire. Do you remember when the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness and God gave them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Do you remember that? Well, in Exodus chapter number 14, verse 20, the Bible says that that pillar came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. In other words, the fire, the pillar of fire, was a divider. In the nighttime hours, in the midst of darkness, the fire divided. The same fire became darkness to one group and light to another group. Now remember, our God is that fire. The king brings a kingdom of fire. When Christ comes in, when the Lord establishes his rule and reign, oh, it, it, it brings darkness to one group, those who reject him. They don't get any light from it. They've turned their back on him. 
But for those of us who've received the King, who've allowed the light to come in and invade every place, oh, it doesn't bring darkness, it brings light. What a beautiful picture. Listen to me, friend. It makes a difference which side of the pillar of fire you're on. You see, fire is a most useful ally if you obey its laws. But it's a fearful enemy if you ignore those laws. You see a wildfire burning out of control. What is that? That's fire that has been misused, fire that has been abused. And yet, fire can warm our homes. Fire can cook. Uh, it's a useful ally, but you must understand its laws and yield to it. You must obey its laws because it's powerful. Oh, the Lord God is a consuming fire. Our King, when He comes in, must be yielded to completely. If you stand in opposition to Him, He's a fearful enemy. So may I ask you today, which side of the fire are you on? Are you right with God at this moment? Is there anything in your life that isn't what it ought to be? Is there any part of your, your life you're not yielding to the ruling presence of Jesus Christ? Then, my friend, you have reason to fear uh, because our God is a consuming fire. But if you yield to Him, oh, the fire is a welcome friend. It brings warmth. It brings heat. It brings light. It brings purity. Allow the King and His fire to do its work in your life today. As surely as those people in John the Baptist congregation had to receive this message and apply it to their life, you and I have to receive it and apply it to our lives today. And so I want to challenge you to apply God's truth, this sermon, to your heart. Thank you for joining us for today's study. On our website, scottpauley.org, you'll find a link through which you can invest in the gospel. Would you consider giving a gift to help us extend God's word to others? You'll also find many other encouraging resources. Until we are together again, may God help you enjoy the journey.